Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we have a very special edition of the show for you today. Joining us on the other side of the mic, and he has a very nice mic setup indeed, is Joseph Kelly, co-founder and CEO of Unchained Capital. Now, if you don't know about Unchained Capital, that's fine. We're going to dive into all of those granularities. They're kind of operating in a, in a space that has seen a bit of bit of chaos of these turbulence. past few years. We could, we could use a lot of different adjectives to describe it. I have referred to it in my writing as the crypto credit crisis. Um, so walk us through the business and you guys are you guys have a lot of announcements coming up about about expansion efforts into into a number of different categories. So, how do you explain the business model um, in in a in a less? I mean, used to be a much more competitive crypto financial services space um, or Bitcoin, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, walk walk us through it. Yeah, I think the frame for me that was always important to have there at the the very beginning. Um, and Drew, my co-founder, this is our, our second startup, our second company together. And so in starting in 2016 and 17, we knew we wanted to have a really strong identity around who our, our client is. And for and since then and forever, it's been the long-term Bitcoin holder. Um, and as you know, and many of us know, that that can be a unique, uh, a unique class of people. Um, it is a new market. And so it's also one that we thought that traditional financial services were going to have struggle to serve. Um, and, the, and those theses, I think, proved correct. And so that, that North Star has always been there for us in terms of that being our audience. And we've always been a bit more um, constrained in how we've liked to, to work with those clients. That's uh, coming from a couple angles. Most important though, is, is how custody uh, is handled. So um, a lot of folks that, that built up over, over the last six or seven years, uh, moved fast, worked on existing infrastructure, worked on prior primitives and concepts that came from traditional finance in terms of how you uh, maybe commingle various financial services or funds or assets of clients. Um, and unfortunately that, uh, that you took on the meant taking on risks that wasn't always transparent to people in terms of what those were. So Unchained always privileged for our clients, the idea of them holding their own keys, um, of the, you know, two plus billion dollars of, of Bitcoin we help secure today. Um, all that is, uh, almost all of that, uh, is held principally by the clients, uh, holding to, uh, the keys. Um, but all of it is held where the client is holding at least one key. And so that's, uh, that's a really di- big differentiation between, uh, even a Coinbase, uh, and certainly a lot of you know the folks that um, have gone uh, gone under in the last year, but that where those those outfits, you know, there are billions of dollars of Bitcoin might be protected by just one or a very few keys internal to that organization. Unchained assets, the assets we help secure, are secured by thousands of keys, and so it's just a really interesting model and much more different um, area to to play in with financial services for this space. Again, it's also it is constraining. We don't. Get to do as many fancy things with client assets in a good way, though. That's part of the value proposition and the promise when you do work with Unchain is that that transparency to where your Bitcoin is at all times um, is there. And so, yeah, we're not doing things with the assets or, or moving it around. So yeah, it can be uh, put in the category of uh, decentralization in the back. Yes, um, centralization yeah, it's, it's, in the front. The the mullet. The mold business model setup. So let's 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 focus on on lending, right? Because I feel like that's that's almost um, the sort of core aspect of the business. And you have this gangbuster um, report from late August where you 
shared some growth metrics for the first half of 2023. We saw 170% growth in Bitcoin loan activity. Um, so these are loans collateralized with Bitcoin. That's right. And the firm saw um, a, a massive jump in a, in a wide range of, of, of its services following that contagion that swept the market and saw... Yeah. I mean, we can we can run down the list. I mean, some of the biggest um, Bitcoin lending operations firms that had much more marketing spend than yours were much more well known, plastered across um, the walls of various train stations and airports across the country, um, and now many of them don't exist. Is is that what you attribute most of the growth to? Is it is it customers? I mean, a lot of the. I mean, a lot of those those customers actually, you know, have their funds unfortunately locked up in, in ongoing bankruptcy proceedings. But yeah. was it was it mostly um, a result of that or some other factors? Definitely, definitely that factored in. I think um, being something of a of the last lender standing in the U.S. market for the Bitcoin backed loans is uh, is, a, is a privilege for us, and like we've been able to serve a lot of clients that didn't have any other options over these last few quarters. Um, that was one of the, the fasting things to kind of go through in our business. I mean, we, um, like many folks as the, the kind of bear market set it in last summer and, um, the macro environment really shifted, especially shifted around credit. And you know, we saw our, our cost of capital and the interest rates we charge clients, uh, mm -hmm. to rise. Um, and then in Q4 as like really, uh, the firestorm had started within BlockFi and FTX and all these other places. I mean, Q4 uh, last year was one of our best quarters ever in terms of new clients and Bitcoin coming out of the platform. So that. That uh, that message about self custody and hey, you just you get to live through it as a as an industry and industry participant, seeing what happens to these places and some of your Bitcoin may have been lost unfortunately. Um, self custody based options like Unchained were were like really popular. Just like a lot of people were motivated to to adopt that. So that brought in I think a healthy influx of clients. Um, often people will come to us and start maybe with a custody relationship or custody product and then get a loan later. Sometimes people are coming in getting a loan you know, first and micro their their services use after that you're 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 navigating or you're operating in an environment with a with a very thorny crypto um flavor and then also you're navigating a very thorny credit market right with yeah. rates at oh. unprecedented um the intersection least, of that has been brutal yeah it is and i want to definitely dive into that i mean like i like you know i was just purchasing a new vehicle and Thankfully, I've, I've seen some great improvement in my credit score. So I had some pretty good rates from Bank of America. Shout mm -hmm. out to them. And but I mean, these are still pretty crazy. So obviously what the Fed is trying to do, and this is obvious, is they want consumption to go down because they want to curb the 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 the, the inflation that has gripped um, economies around the world. They want less people like me to buy cars to keep that inflation down and so you hike rates to do that um but yet you have this growth so how 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 do you sort of um account for that yeah i think um i mean lo loans you know there, there's always some kind of sustained demand for for loans and borrowing um and what we've seen over our six plus years of operating history and lending is um, that, that, that demand can wax and wane with the, the price of Bitcoin as clients have more collateral they can post and more collateral value to tap into. That is one thing that leads to a spike in, 
uh, borrowing. I think interest rates also play a big factor. Our, have, our rates haven't gone up. I think to still does sort of limit some of the ceiling of what uh, amounts people are willing to borrow or keeps people kind of out of the market for this type of credit. Um, so it's a, it's a mix. And, and yeah, speaking from that, some of that, a lot of that direct experience of just psychologically where credit and capital markets were at in Q4, Q1, anything with Bitcoin in the subject line was just a no, no way. Um, like won't even don't want to get on the phone with you. Um, and things have thawed, like, I think just, uh, the, the trauma, the psychological sort of, um, challenges of, of, uh, entertaining anything in with your work email address, talking to any kind of cryptocurrency company um that that fears are cited and like that a lot of conversations have, have warmed up and um and yeah it's i think from our our side of the industry it's it's been a real challenge and eye-opener over our history learning how actually credit and capital markets work that they're, they're not as efficient as you'd like to think that things like the idea that a bitcoin secured loan and you talk to bankers that have done that uh that have done lending against bitcoin and like they know it they, uh, the ones that actually got got through with it and lived it like it's the best form of lending lending that they've ever done um beats out mortgages beats out auto loans beats out anything else because you have that transparency of the collateral it's a 24 7 market and you can you know liquidate anytime what have um rate increases look like on your on your end it's probably our average rates were in the 10 to 12 percent range um uh like a year and a half ago mm -hmm. and now they're closer to 14 to 15 percent so a good, good three three plus percent rate hike. Um, we've done the best we can, you know, keeping the cost low. Like as we are, you know, in our most of our, mostly our clients' interest, wanting um, the best, you know, cost of capital for them. And that's something you saw. I think another way is that products uh, and like industry education sort of um, may have failed certain consumers in terms of the risks of other lending platforms that would take your Bitcoin collateral and then relend it out. And that allowed them to sub subsidize the interest rates you might pay. So you might pay four or five percent, um, but that's uh, there's a lot of risk you're taking on when that firm is then lending out that Bitcoin. And as we all kind of saw, like that that Bitcoin lending market structure was really really broken, really um, immature these past couple of years, and that um, that meant that a lot of people lost lost their money. So what are you doing with the Bitcoin? It stays locked up during the duration loan. We have a. We have the means to uh, access this and, and liquidate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of the cool ways of using, I think, the, the kind of Bitcoin native technology is we hold it. Yeah. Key. So how, how does that but, how does that liquidation work in the event? You know, I default on the loan, nowhere to be found. Yeah. But yet it's, it's still in my custody. That's interesting. It's a, it's a, we call it a collaborative custody. Um, mm -hmm. So the client's holding one key, we hold one key, and we have a third-party agent holding the third. And that agent is an agent of ours. Uh, they are there, like in worst worst case scenarios, for able to. Uh, they have an ability to cooperate with the borrower, but um, the Bitcoin is always segregated. We don't take it on our balance sheet, so it is like moving your assets into like a, a shared box, almost as if there's like an escrow agent that you know would would administer, you know, uh, help adjudicate where it goes. It's, um, that's not perfectly true in this case, but at least from a, mm -hmm. a pure asset transparency basis, the client has that cryptographic proof of their connection to the Bitcoin um, and it stays there for the duration alone. And if you do default or there's a margin call um, that isn't satisfied, we can sign along with the key agent, two of the three signatures, and that's enough to move the Bitcoin. So we can move it, liquidate at that point. Are you starting to see any change in consumer behavior? I mean, other than some of that, I think that flood, that real influx over last year into self-custody and um, that, you know, and, and I think also kind of institutional attitude and general idea that, Bitcoin remains that kind of 
safest bet or that, that place that is the least risk of controversy, least risk of, um, challenge and is the most mature, uh, of any of the assets that, um, that has, uh, that continues to pull people into, and I think Bitcoin only solutions are just kind of trusting that like, Oh, Hey, you know, as far as we operate and the on-chain platform is concerned technologically and how we face the markets and any counterparties, it's like really, really limited to the kind of the safest corners of the, the entire industry. So that's, uh, that's valuable. That's worth something. So walk us through, um, where you go from here. Um, obviously there's a bit of momentum. People are more keen to, um, self-custody to, you know, follow all the mantras of, uh, you know, do your own research and, and the mm -hmm. like, check the chain. Mm -hmm. Um, you're expanding into, um, advisory services. Yeah. Um, to be an R RIA always struggle with that acronym oh, versus IRA. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always just, it's like the, <laughs> um, so how do you expand into um, a suite of uh, basically creating like a suite of financial services products, which, you know, harkens, harkens me back to um, the, the aspirations of, of many other firms that did not have as much success. Well, it is, it is the playbook, right? And I think there's, there is uh, nuances and differences and, it's a playbook you do get to learn from in terms of the, the arc of a lot of financial services firm over the last 100, 150 years. Um, I'd say what, how I frame or how I think about what Unchained does and in, in our mission and where we're going is uh, working with those long-term Bitcoin holders that where Bitcoin for many of them already is, but for increasingly a number of them, like Bitcoin's kind of some of that center point of their financial lives. It's like the main point, their main center of gravity for savings, their main uh, form of investment that they consider. Um, and so that's a, that's a really treasured, you know, multi-generational asset for them. And so in the, the relationship around custody is really important and sacred in some ways. And that's, that's also a relationship around how, how does that asset pass through multiple generations or in the event of a tragic death and those kind of instances, how does any survivors and you know, executors, how do they get through the access to the asset, um, and done in a way that isn't like just dependent on one custodian. So that um, that's kind of always frames like the, the base bedrock of what uh, we do for people. And then things like the RIA that will be uh, publicly launching will be available in the next month or so. Um, that comes with the territory of like, there, there's just, there are, let's be clear, there's a lot of really great people out there um, doing advisory around Bitcoin and like that, that are, are there to help clients manage the, the unique questions that come up if 80% of your net worth is in Bitcoin, you might be approaching 40 or 50 years old. Mm -hmm. What kind of, you know, what kind of financial planning advice can you be getting in that instance that, um, you don't, uh, you can't go to your normal person for because compliance reasons, or they just like, you know, Morgan Stanley or, or at a Merrill Lynch or wherever they, they just fundamentally don't believe in Bitcoin. Um, and so they're, they're kind of not willing to like entertain or walk through, uh, the actual questions with you. And so we see the opportunity. I mean, we have clients that come in onboarding just to our uh, custody service that ask us about advisors um, that they can talk to. And we've made referrals and work with many advisors and their clients. Um, but it is one of the ways I think for for people that already have a, an existing relationship with Unchained uh, or maybe coming in for one or more of our services that we can kind of help them in this other area of their financial lives with financial planning, portfolio balancing, um, and the kinds of things that just come up in a, in a modern financial life. Uh, so that's that's a one 
when we thrust, we kind of think about our business as having that, that portfolio of products and things that individuals take from us. And then there are the more kind of business enterprise or institutional blend of things as well. And that's important again, around custody, you need business accounts or a different flavor of you know, custody experience with multiple users than maybe an individual custody account. And for us, that's been a story of you know, finding more models that work with those people that may not want to hold two keys, maybe want to hold one key or zero. And how can we drive that good infrastructure and good, um, always for us, kind of a multi-sig, multi-party based solution that serves those people's custody needs. What do you, what do you reckon the, the, the TAM is for Bitcoin related financial products? If, if we were to, if we were to estimate the number of millionaires in America, 20 million or something like that of uh-huh. uh, 20 million adults, is it, is it a subsection of that? Have you done, I'm curious, do you have a sense of how many high net worth Bitcoiners there are in the United States? Is this, is this a figure that's in the millions or in the hundreds of thousands? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's in the hundreds of thousands, if, if not cresting into, into millions. And mm-hmm. part of that's that intersection of, um, in the flavor of like Bitcoin wealth people have and the, and then the flavor of maybe natural or I'm, not, I'm sorry, traditional, more traditional. Yeah. Wealth, normal. Like Nor- we'll call yeah. it normal wealth. Yeah. <laughs> normal, uh, real world wealth, um, real world wealth. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah. And, and that's, and that's part of our strategy too, right? Is that we help people have got several billion dollars worth of Bitcoin with their, their Bitcoin custody and, and needs. And then we know there's at least double, triple that amount of assets held by our clients in traditional means. And so that kind of crossover blend of financial services, because, Bitcoin is on course to be more and more the centerpiece of these people's financial lives. We want to be as you know, able to help them on as much of that journey as possible. And that journey does include more than Bitcoin. Uh, it's just, that's why we have our fiat loans or US dollar loans, because most of our transacting and buying and uh, engagement in the economy is with dollars. So having that, that kind of bridging solution is, is important. And uh, yeah, I think, I mean, those figures are, are roughly right. At least as far as the U S there's of course, global numbers. Um, it's it's a lot more than when we started. That's part of the part of what I like about our business and feeling like we're in a a pond and you know increasingly an ocean that that gets bigger. And that's uh yeah, we're all figuring out good sustainable models to in a lot of ways like be be what uh everybody kind of blew up last year art or and weren't. But something that yeah, masterfully. Mm-hmm. So what is the process like to sort of offer a a retirement type account in yeah. Bitcoin? So we have a yeah, we have a, a unique model there that depends on um really a, a a custodian and a partner that is comfortable partnering with us on a model that the client gets to hold their uh their own two keys. And so mm. that um that that is you know something that also we we acquired actually a um a business that was doing this for a number of years. We, they, they joined in uh, late, late 2021. Yeah. Late 2021. Um, and so since then it's been, it's definitely one of our most successful products. It's been, yeah, almost you know, two years in the running and um, at least 30% of all our clients have an IRA account with us. And it's increasingly one of the ways people start with us is getting an IRA account. Um, and I think like, uh, and it, it's, it's interesting to, you know, also launching products like this, you learn more about how they work in the traditional markets. And really your, your job, at like, and if you're a Schwab offering an IRA, your job is somewhat the same. It's like you keep the assets in a special, specially labeled account. 
that you managed all the reporting to the government on inflows and outflows. And so if there was an outflow that you know was pre the retirement age, that's a reported event. Um, and, and similarly, of course, if it's an outflow when they are past retirement age or some you know, mandatory um, withdrawals that have to happen and kick in at a certain time, but it's really around that reporting side. And that's, and that's part of what I love about like where Unchained, like what, what we love finding are those, those intersections where we don't have to custody the assets, we don't have to hold them and then, you know, maybe enrich ourselves in the process through the investment in treasuries or whatever you know, happens in the dollar-based size of, of brokerages, but that like we don't have to hold the asset, but as a centralized government-facing financial institution, we provide value to you. And so that IRA is actually one of those really most like uh, quintessential versions of that because you can't have an IRA, can't get that tax advantage status unless there's some institution managing that reporting for you and uh in a, in a way that the irs will will take and uh, is official enough and so we get to do that wrapped around bitcoin you're still self-custodying so what what so, sort of got you started on this path sure uh so i'd mentioned unchained as my co-founders and my second mm -hmm. company we'd started a data analytics company in 2009 that sold in 2013 and bought some bitcoin uh after that and you know really from that first experience and as a startup learned a lot of great lessons we've learned a lot you know, even more in this in this journey uh, but that first one being around like ha having that really well-defined client and mission um both he and i are intellectually curious people and like and most most all the people working in this industry probably so um and that was the other kind of Im important principle for me you know finding something that uh i could see working in for a decade or more um mm -hmm. it, it, and find continually enriching intellectually and um yeah, emotionally and just feeling like we're doing good in the world so luckily a lot of that's that's continued to track um it's definitely not a place for the faint of heart and yeah it's uh i'd say that's kind of most of the mix and i think you know for me a lot of my passion as an entrepreneur is building what i would look at and in hindsight and during the time hey this is a great company it's a great place to work people here like come in and have great experiences and build something together um and those and great companies are often mission oriented, and so I, I feel fortunate that um, within the kind of broader mission of Bitcoin and some of that, a lot of that shared culture people find in it, um, that to build a company that sort of uh, can harmonize with that, be still a commercial profit making enterprise, uh, but that has a community of support and like a natural client base that we can work our hardest to align with. Um, that's that's rewarding. It's really nice. It's not enterprise software. It's not database management tools, you know, which are cool businesses and um, plenty of people have fun at that, but this is, this is uniquely interesting. I really like going to conferences in the space that feel like there's that it's, it's, it's like humanity is in that, is in that conference. It's not just um, Silicon Valley executives or, you know, data nerd people uh, bless those, those things too. But at least I think the um, feeling like our clients represent such a good range of ages, demographics and uh and you like people bring their families to conferences or events you know down the hall out of our office it's, it's really nice what type of challenges do you face in building a business like this and how do you how have you overcome some of those challenges well gosh um i mean early on a lot of the constraints that we operated under made it difficult to fundraise and already i think a difficult fundraising climate that people we're either skeptical about crypto, but then this was the um, 27 million raise. Uh, well, I'd say from like 2017 through 2020 was a, you know, that's almost, that's about four years of fundraising. 
during which time we raised like close to nine million over that that period. Um, so we weren't, you know, um, completely uh, underfunded or not not funded, mm-hmm. but that that we being a Bitcoin only company doing self custody just did not look like the right move to like everybody that watched BlockFi supposedly print money over there and all the other things that were um, shooting up. So for us, yeah, we raised thirty million a Series A in twenty twenty one. And then raised a sixty million dollar round earlier this year, and so that's that's been on the back of like a lot of you know progress and substantive uh, client and asset growth. And I think, I mean, otherwise, the other challenges are just a lot. A lot of them are typical within like normal startup, but then they're accentuated by I think the bulls and bear cycles of the the, the asset. So, in the bull market, it's like you're really hanging on. You know, you're trying your hardest to not tire too many people but you almost can't help it because you need something to keep up um and then the bear markets you're you know you're, the investors aren't there uh it's it's hard to just yeah like you have to really trudge through uh periods of where no one wants to believe in your your thing and what what type of um what advice would you give to newcomers to bitcoin with with that sort of context in mind I think you'd be prepared for a long haul, try to do it for the right reasons, your own independently sought reasons. And um, yeah, it's it. like, keep in mind that that's, I think really a lot of what the technology is about, that, that there's that, that element of um, your, your, your sovereignty, your, your control of it, your um, use of it being somewhat self-sovereign and not handed on to you or babysitted by another institution or government. That's, that's a cool area of like freedom and responsibility that the that Bitcoin and the technology offers. So I think that's what kind of makes it so fun and, and what carries so many cool and enriching values into it. So, um, yeah, I think tr- try to have fun. It, it seems like when thinking about your, your philosophy, um, it, would there be any appetite in working with some larger firms that might want to white label your services or partner with you to, um, provide these types of Bitcoin specific services to their clients, or would that be, you know, almost walking into the proverbial lion's den? Well, I think, uh, no, I mean, we're all, we, we definitely are open and remain, you know, we have open conversations over, over the years with bigger banks and institutions. I think where their strategic mandates, um, have all have, you know, seem to always been is not, not in ways that not in places that align with what we do. I that's because they have a multi-asset focus or they believe that there's some form of, you know, in-house custody that they they need to have uh, full control over. So it is rare the the financial institution that really gets and grokks how we do things. I think that's part of the entrapment of the current financial system and the way in which there's a real innovator's dilemma for banks and custodians and institutions to work in this way that gives the client ultimate control over the asset. So we remain open. I mean, we have we have ways we can work with people. We have a you know I think a more uh, traditional financial institution that we make. You have a partnership we get to announce before end of year, but that there, there's ways we get to collaborate and work together with those types that um, have kind of been there, but you haven't quite seen um, seen like be be fully matured or that like true truly robust production you know, announced system. So yeah, I, to your, the short answer to your question, like yeah, we remain open for sure. I'm not ideologically opposed. You know, obviously as an entrepreneur, you 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 are building a company um, with a certain type of future in mind. What, where does Bitcoin um, sit, in your view, in in the broader economy, in the next five to ten years? What type of 
asset is it and how are people using it? Yeah. So I think it's, uh, I think it's what I'm about to say, probably not super controversial or even always that new, but I, I think it, it does reinforce and it's, it comes from experience, seeing what we see across our thousands of clients that these are people who and have everyday pe people through all walks of life that view Bitcoin as a savings and investment vehicle and a long-term asset and holding for them. And they're not that always transacting in it because there's not, for instance, a ton of merchant adoption, but there may not also be you know, the, the right tax code or the right circumstance for them to, to want to actually start smell, spending their Bitcoin you know, on the margin. Um, that, that flavor of Bitcoin economy um, it could take shape over the coming years, but is not where people are at and still probably where, unlike, where people are unlikely to be at for, I'd say, at least the five, next five to 10 years. So there's an arc of where I think Bitcoin's impact when it's, as its market cap grows becomes somewhat more of a systemically important asset you actually saw almost like glimmers of that systemic importance when things were selling off last year and a lot of it drove bitcoin's price down was like traditional market makers who had bitcoin in the balance sheet that were selling it as one of their more liquid assets to like plug holes and in, in other areas mm. and so it, it's going to have i think some of that that um play some of that buffer role or play some of that um you know, highly liquid uh investable asset over the long run um, it's also people value it for its sovereignty on both sides. I mean, you see use cases like ransomware and these other, you know, unfortunately, like those aren't the, the great headline use cases for, for Bitcoin, but it is what happens. And the both sides of that, both the, the, the person, you know, that the, the, the hacker or whoever is interested in getting asset they control and the, the corporation making the payment, you know, maybe in such a scenario where they want the sovereignty of being able to pay, you know, for that to their systems to be unlocked. So you have, I think as well, like that was like the, the whole Canadian trucker protest um, mm -hmm. story in the last year that, that drove a lot of interest uh, in Unchained as well. as far as people seeing how maybe, you know, how, how a le little control they may have over their assets or much less control than they thought they'd had um, when it's sitting at a bank or the third party. So, so Joe, tell us what, what are you most excited about over the next six months? What should the market expect? Um, maybe outside of uh, some of the things we've already unpacked? Gosh, yeah. I mean, I, I know all the conversation and buzz about the ETFs, I think can't, it's hard to really kind of think overstate how like how much that can do you know, credibly for the industry. I, I do maintain an opinion that I think it's actually been a benefit that has taken this long, um, that it has let more solutions like Unchained, more aspects of the market to kind of develop and mature. Um, but the time is probably right, or it's like, it's like good, it's been, been long enough and it's, it's about time in some ways. So, um, that's an obvious turning point The having, you know, having this be the, the kind of third, having we've been, a um, uh, a, a formed company at. So that's just, uh, that's just fun. You know, <laughs> it's been so far an exhilarating ride. I used to look at that kind of prediction these four year cycles as kind of a form of business astrology or market astrology. And, um, but I'll be damned if like just the, the our, our experience has shown this way. So we'll see if this time is different. Still excited though. And I'm excited that I think a lot of people are kind of waking up or like a lot of the conversations we just had are, I think they just, they kind of sound sensible to people. Whereas where a lot of people were several years back, we're still kind of in like a, oh, but it's like, well, everything's going to be tokenized. Everything's going to be there. There's, there's isn't going to be a world of tens of thousands of cryptocurrencies. And so that, uh, that position that says, well, well, maybe, uh, but like Bitcoin is the sure thing like that. That just kind of feels like that. That's a way more reasonable, um, you know, stance people want to accept and lean into. So it's nice to see the, the world turn that way a bit. 100%. Well, Joe, 
Thanks so much for taking the time to join the program. Thanks, Frank, for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Definitely we'll talk to you again soon. And The Scoop will be back for you with another great guest soon. Thanks for tuning in.